This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back to Out to Lunch, the podcast currently trading as In for Lunch. I send the best takeaway I can find over to a fascinating guest. We connect over video link and I get them to reveal their darkest secrets and most hilarious anecdotes. This week, you join me for my chat with actress, writer, comedian and star of Catastrophe. It's Sharon Horgan. Are you drinking wine? Uh, well, I, I, I was suddenly about to say, have you got I've got, got wine. Oh, Excellent. Now, it's worth noting that we had a whole bunch of technical trouble during this recording, so poor Sharon found herself eating in different bits of her house trying to get a reliable signal. At one point, you'll hear that she ends up kneeling by her bed so she could use it as a table. Let's get into it. Hello, Sharon. Hello. <laughs> it's lovely to see you. We're not just feeding you today, are we? <laughs> Yeah, but... <laughs> no, it's okay. fine. You're shaming me. I was really pleased about this one because it's it's slightly complicated, not for any bad reason. It's the basic of lockdown. Um, you needed to talk to us in the evening. We're in for dinner rather than in for lunch. Your your kids are there. They need feeding. Uh, your ex has come around to be with them and he needs feeding. So um, I can see the Deliveroo bike. It may be a van or possibly a truck coming round because this is... <laughs> A sizable order that's heading your way. I went. I went looking around your area, and um, Il Bacio Express seemed like the place to go. So, do you like Italian food? I love Italian food. I, this is great. I'm mainly happy that I'm not cooking. It's been four weeks. <laughs> um, Shall I tell you what's there, so that when you go downstairs, you know what you're looking at? Yeah. Okay. So you've got two orders of Sardinian bread with charcuterie and pickles and things like that. You've got two tricolora salads. So the idea is you take one of the breads and one of the trigolores yourself. Okay. There's two pasta dishes. One is spaghetti with clams and bataga, and the other one is uh, ravioli al fungi. So Ooh. choose. There's two margarita pizzas with olives for the, for, for the kids. <laughs> then there's a choice of roast pork or uh, sort of oven-braised chicken with peppers. Look, I'm stacking your fridge for lockdown, oh okay? Oh, my gosh. And then two tiramisu and two chocolate cakes. So now you know what's there. You right. can you can go and look. Oh, it's coming up your road. Mario is, uh, which I think is hilarious. So this has come from a restaurant <laughs> called Il Baccio Express on the Marland Road. This is why, I'm, essentially, why I'm doing it. Apart from you know, clearly wanting to meet you and have a chat, I cannot be arsed cooking for my kids anymore. Go downstairs. Your food is there. <laughs> go and sort out the dishes and bring all of yours back up so we can eat. Okay, I will. See you in I five. Will. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, this is fabulous. That is so much food. <laughs> oh well, you know, you don't want to cook, so maybe I've, I've, I've managed to save you cooking for a couple of weeks. It looks, it looks amazing. Are you sick of cooking for everybody? Yeah. I've worked out that my mother, because there's 12 years difference between my oldest sister and my little brother... 
So I worked out that my mother must have cooked approximately three meals a day for 28 years. Oh, God. Oh, God. You know, oh God, I oh mean, God. yeah, I, I, it's, they're also bored of me. Like, they're bored of what I'm cooking. And, you know, I think everyone's imaginations seem to be sort of stifled and stilted at the moment. You know, we're all just kind of in this w weird sort of place. And I think that applies to cooking as well. Do you mind if I kick the dog out? Because he's just, he's a horrible beggar. <laughs> go for it, go for it. Hold on a second, get out, Ozzy. Go on, go, 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 go. Um, what are you having first? Right, so I obviously couldn't go to El Baccio Express and get a delivery job. I, I found a local, there aren't many good Italians that deliver down here. I mean, I could have got endless oh. pizza. Um, but that's not what I wanted. So I went to a place in Peckham called Artuzzi, um, and they're mo mostly doing a kind of uh, delivery of groceries and stuff and ready-made meals. But for me, you know, they like me. So they've done me a special. So I'm starting, I've got some of their lovely focaccia um, and oh, some yeah. pickled vegetables. And then I've got some burrata with peas and I've got some squid ink spaghetti um, with cod and confit that tomatoes. Good. Does it matter that I'm eating out of the trays? You do you. <laughs> it did lead me to a question. There, there was a moment, uh, there was a moment in Pulling where a character eats a kebab they found <laughs> in a phone box and apparently this is true. I need to know what the takeaway was. What oh was the takeaway God. in the phone box? It was a curry. And what, it was sitting there and someone had completely forgotten yeah. their takeaway? Well, I mean, they hadn't completely forgotten it. <laughs> What was the curry, Sharon? You can tell me I'm a, I'm a man of the world. I'm so disgusted with myself. But in, in fairness, I think teenagers are kind of disgusting. And I was 18. I was living in um, Dublin. I was at art college. It was, you know, I was drinking for myself and several people. <laughs> and um, I have no idea what it was. It's just a memory. I've got like... We both know it's not the worst thing you ever did. Oh, well, you know, food-wise, eating a leftover curry that I found in a phone box, I think it's one I think it's one of the worst things I've ever done and I'm I'm sort of sad to be telling the story. But when I think about it, I've got lots of food memories while drunk as a, as a youngster because so much of being drunk is what you eat afterwards, isn't it? What you what kebab oh, yeah. place you go to and you know, I've got memories of buying I was a vegetarian as well. In fact, I was a vegan for two years. So my, my whole thing was like trying to find disgusting food to eat while piss that, that, that was, you know, vegan, which is, you know... That's a tough call. Really tough call. And, um, yeah, I used to go to this place called Abracababra and they would do, um, you know, like a vegan kebab. But I remember leaving a real strong memory for me at Glastonbury you know, 1988 or something like that, 1989, was buying a veggie burger while, you know, off my rocker and then eating it while walking to the next veggie burger place. Well, you need to keep fuel. To, to buy another one. I just need, I guess, I guess I was a growing girl. So what have you started on? Just out of interest, which bit oh, have you gone for? Tricolore salad and the delicious bread. I forget what you said it was called. But there's also this amazing um, cheesy, meaty, fungi-y, antipasti thing which is i'm kind of eating it all at once cheesy meaty fungi antipasti thing is is exactly what we all need in, the, in these current circs it's very very good um th there's a line right in the first episode of catastrophe 
I did go back and watch it. It's not like it's stuck in my head, but I did go back and watch it. Uh, which you, you say to Rob, you're kind to waiters, uh, which suggests you might be a good person. Is mm. that... Uh, it's a line that a lot of people hold to. Is is that one of those rules that you stick to? Absolutely. It's a little bit um, insincere because she says you're kind to waiters and taxi drivers, which might suggest yeah. which suggests you might actually be a good person. I don't think anyone's nice to taxi drivers because in the whole... They're grumpy fuckers. But um, I was a waitress for, I mean, two years on the trot, but like probably all together, you know, four years or so. And and you just really notice it. You really notice ungracious people, you know. I do worry about that. Yeah, it's something that stays with you. So when I'm in when I'm in restaurants, I mean, I'm sure I I'm sure I mess up sometimes. And you know, if you're sending something back or whatever, but. It took me a long time to get over not just eating for the sake of it, just because I couldn't bear the thought of, some, of sending something back, but um, for fear of being rude. But, you know, when you're a waiter, you work so hard. And genuinely, it's a really fun life and you have this great sort of hangout socially after a shift finishes and you usually go out. And so there's things about it I really like, but carrying plates, especially in a busy restaurant, up and down and you're dealing with sort of grumpy chefs and you know demanding people and expect high expectations and it's really really stressful so when people are rude to you on top of that or even just dismissive or they don't look at you they don't look up from their menu or you know just small kind of basic human kindness you really really notice because you're so you're so tired (laughs) you're you know I was wondering whether the fact that you did quite a lot of other jobs, mostly to get by, yeah. before you know it all happened for you. Do you think yeah. that's just brilliant material for someone who writes the kind of stuff that you do? I do, yeah. I mean, for pulling, definitely. The fact that Dennis and I both had jobs that we had zero interest in. That's Dennis Kelly. Dennis Kelly, yeah. yeah. That sort of lack of satisfaction in your... Um, well, in your home life and your work life. And so you're looking for something else. And, you know, definitely with pulling that that notion of, you know, you, you, you haven't found your thing yet. That was like part of the drive for it and um, for those characters. But I also think, you know, I mean, I kind of use, I don't just use my own um, jobs and, and, and situations. I kind of use other people's like in, in Catastrophe, you know, um, Rob was a, a an advertising guy and, and my ex-husband was in advertising for years. So what it does is give authenticity to that sort of area because a lot of the time you kind of, you find yourself going, oh, they work in business and, you know, you have to Google business or, you know, they're, they're in marketing and, and it has a sort of, you know, a hollowness to it. And, and I kind of like, I mean, I just, I mean, it's just easier to write about things you know. But I mean, the fact that I... Um, I mean, I worked in a job centre for six years. I've never written about that. I mean, I always thought I might, but actually it was an incredibly boring, stifling environment and I can't, I don't know, I wouldn't want to watch that. The American novelist Philip Roth once said, the late Philip Roth once said, that when a a writer is born into the family, the family is dead. By which he meant... There's nothing, nothing left. My God. It's all, it, it, you're going to scavenge across their lives. I'm afraid that is kind of true. And I mean, in a lot of ways, I I don't, I dislike it about myself. Like I'm way more critical of it now and I'm way more aware of it now. 
sometimes I want to slap myself and just sort of say, live in the moment, you know, stop looking for, <laughs> stop looking for stuff, you know, just, just be there and be in it. And, um, at the same time, I, 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 it's incredibly therapeutic and, you know, um, sometimes people don't mind it. Are you drinking wine? Uh, well, I, I, I was suddenly about to say, have you got I've got, got wine. Oh, excellent. Because I was suddenly thinking, it's been, normally you do this at lunchtime, it's fine. Um, evening really works as well, in for dinner. Yeah. But I, I've got a rule in lockdown, if it's six o'clock, you can drink. And uh, Yeah, I've been doing very badly with drinking and that I've been drinking every single night. What, you mean you've been really good at it? I've been exceptional at it. I just can't, I have my plan to not drink in the evening and then it just completely disappears. We do what we need to do to we get do, through. We do if, to get by, If it's yeah. not a problem, then <laughs> can I just say, uh, <laughs> if you're listening, drink responsibly. <laughs> can I go back? Do, I want to yes. go right back. Yeah. Turkeys. In my former guise as a TV food reporter, mm-hmm. a job I came to hate, I went to a turkey farm. Oh, yeah. They're fucking scary animals. Mm. They're big. Those catering stags, they were called catering stags by which, I mean, they were like seven feet tall. Mm. Were you ever scared of the turkeys or did you become, I know the way of the turkey, I do not need to fear the turkey? I I was never scared of the turkeys. I always just hated the turkeys. I mean, except except when they were little tiny little chicks and then you sort of loved them. And they were in those round pens and it was all like soft um, wood shavings and... It was all heat and lamps and, you know, they were just cute little things, but they turned from cute into a lot less cute very quickly. And and then it all just becomes, you know, feathers and smell and guts and blood. Um, and they're, they're not, you know, they're clearly not very bright. <laughs> so, you know, they <laughs> they certainly don't do what you tell them. And And, you know, I associate it with, I mean, clearly with Christmas, like everyone, but for us, Christmas was an incredibly tense time of the year. You know, my parents, if they didn't fare well at Christmas, they were sort of, you know, screwed for the the rest of the year. I mean, there, there was small business here and there with hotels and, you know, a bit of Easter and butchers and stuff. But generally, that's when they made all their money. And so if it wasn't going well or if it looked like it wasn't going to be a good year, the stress was just you know, palpable and and so and it continued right up until Christmas Eve. I mean, we would be paying, we sort of employed local people came to pluck and we all plucked. And if we didn't pluck, we cooked. What's the what's the key to plucking? Oh, is it pluck oh, up, uh, not down, or pluck down, <laughs> not up? One of them. God, it's been so long now. You you I'm pretty sure it's what is it? It's, I'm pretty sure it's plucking down. One way I'm not it rips. A turkey plucker, I'm a turkey. Uh, okay, it should explain. Your parents ran a pub. Somewhere in the East End, is that right? Your dad yes. from New Zealand. They did. They had a pub and, in Bow called the the, yeah. the White Thorn. And it might have been quite a complex time to be running a pub in the East End with people. Oh uh, yeah, it was all like it was all gangsters and yeah, yeah. Why did he want to run a turkey farm? Did he go? I love turkeys. I've always dreamed of various fowl. Not at all. He he not at all. He and actually, when we moved to Ireland first, um, he got another pub called the Green Kiwi in Port Arlington in, in County Leash in, in Ireland and my dad's a New Zealander and yeah. uh, and I think they just got very fed up with it he's kind of done everything and uh, 
So I guess farming was something that he just thought, yeah, I can do that. Do you think that that entrepreneurial, I'm just going to do it thing is what accounts for, there are five of you mm-hmm. and you're, you're all, it's ridiculously high achieving. Even if you might have scuffed around for a few years of your working <laughs> life, you got yeah. your, your younger brother's a, a, a rugby international who'd run out uh-huh. into stadiums being cheered by thousands. Mm. You've got a sister who's a very well-known broadcast journalist. Mm. There's you. Mm. If I didn't think you were great, I'd think you were awful. What, how, does, <laughs> how does this come about? Do you, do you have any theories on what it is that spawned your family? I mean, I've got a few, I suppose. My my elder sister, um, she was the first person to sort of, you know, she went to college, she went to Trinity College. She's super bright. And she was the first person who started working in TV. She made documentaries and, and she set up her own production company and and for me, it was sort of seeing her do it and go, oh my God. I mean, my my thing was, I was just always a brat who thought, yes, I want to act. I want to be funny. I want to do comedy. I want to write. Um, but I never had any sort of structured plan of how to do it. Where did that come from in your head? Had you been watching stuff? I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I always like making people laugh. I mean way more than I do now, <laughs> weirdly, considering it's my it's my business. But, you know, back when I was a kid, it was how it was my currency, you know. And certainly being from a large family, family of five kids, it's it's how it was an, another way to get attention, you know, is to make your, your mum laugh or your dad laugh. And Well, that would be true if you were one of the youngest, but you were the second oldest, weren't you? Yeah, yes. <laughs> well, you know, but also the two youngest were boys, so they were just getting... Um. All the attention, you know. Fair enough. So you had to work even harder. It was three girls in a row and then two boys. I'm hitting my pasta, by the way. If okay, you, if I'm going to hit my pasta smooth. because that is almost a full dish, that delicious antipasti thing. Of course it is. Uh, Everything's yeah. almost a full dish. My gosh. Yeah. Have you uh, put you on know. weight in lockdown? Everybody's put on weight. I mean, I, it's not like I'm skinny normally, uh, Sharon. So I, <laughs> I have been... I, I, I go to the gym four or five times a week in an attempt to mitigate the impacts of my so-called job. And instead, I've been working on a step box outside in my garden. And oh, I must well, look that's, like an utter yeah, tosser. That's better than me. I've been doing crappy sort of um, pull-ups and um, push-ups on my the side of my bath. Well, you know, that's something. I've got arms, but that's it. Yeah, well, they look fabulous. And, and thanks Thank for you. having them out for Thank this. You. Um, Thank you. I put a shirt on and everything. Um, <laughs> What's your pasta? So my pasta is, this is clearly handmade pasta. It's thick spaghetti with cod and a tomato sauce made with confit tomatoes. Which one did you go for? Because there were two in your order. I went for the ravioli. Is it okay? Mm. I'm slightly worried. You know, I like, you know, I like to set you up with a, with, a, no. with a takeaway option for when I've left you to... It's excellent. Excellent. Well, that's good. I promise. You gave such a lovely description of the turkey farm, it's hard to imagine why you would want to have left it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But you did... I get the sense from you that there has all, and and, and it's a, a thread all the way through. There's a kind of fuck it. Why shouldn't I do this? Why shouldn't I give it a go? Is there, there never a question in your head? No, I can't do this. Oh God, yeah. I mean, I, I would say I, I'm the sort of um, opposite of that. I, I mean, most of the time I've just gone from job to job um, because I, you know, I had to make a book, and I never liked the idea of not having money in the bank it was just that was sort of built into us that was just how it had to be you know we always had summer jobs we always worked at Christmas we we just having money in the bank was a big thing from from my dad you know and I kind of think even when I was messing around in London for so many years as long as he knew I had a job and I had a few quid in the bank he was like 
you know, pre- pretty happy with me. But um, in terms of just, you know, I let, let's give it a shot. I can do that. I don't think I ever felt like that. I think um, that's why it took me so long because I, you know, held back for so for, for such a long while, you know, like I was putting plays on above pubs and doing that kind of thing. But in terms of actually making a real serious go at it, you know, I waited until I was 31 to give, to give up my job as a as a waiter, you know, to to live on my credit card for a while and, and have a proper go. So I definitely, um, and it's taken me years. It took me years to get around to directing. You know, the writing thing, I, I, I've been really fortunate because I've worked with a lot of really great people who sort of helped me get over that fear. And now I can write on my own. But I mean, it took years for me to, even attempt that. I always felt like I needed to rely on someone. Uh, Sharon, I've moved on to my my chicken ketchi, or I think I, I can't even pronounce it at this point because I'm two glasses in. Okay, well, I'll move on to my uh, pork. Oh, you went for the pork? I want to know if it's any good. Yeah, I, I mean, I really like pork, but I don't know if it, it's mistaken identity, but I think there's a pig's ear in here. Oh, is that? I've eaten pig's ears, just not when it's just sort of thrown in there willy-nilly can you show Normally me can you lift it up to the camera so i can have a look i mean, maybe it's, I mean it definitely looks like oh, i don't know no that's a piece of crackling isn't it no no it's got the little fold it's not because there's an awful lot of bone in here so it's feeling a little bit sort of arseholes and eyelids a bit well that's because we respect you oh yeah listen i'm t- i take all this as a comp- huge compliment <laughs> It's funny that I'm eating in my bedroom. I haven't done that since I was a student, probably. You know, eating on your bed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? (laughs) Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, nothing. No tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. (laughs) If these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is George Ezra, and earlier this year, I started a brand new podcast called Phone a Friend with one of my closest friends, Mr. Ollie MN. Ollie. Yeah, don't like the one of bit, but uh, <laughs> every week, George and I have a conversation about our weeks, what's going on in our lives, and the kind of main focus is checking in on each other's mental health. And we share stories, tips, advice listen to the emails and i swear to you it's fun i swear on my life <laughs> it is well we find it fun we believe you might as well so please search for phone a friend wherever you listen to your podcast see you soon wow.
one of the things I do find curious, whenever you read interviews with you, you express this sort of desire and need to be told you've done a good job or you're, you're doing a good thing or you're great. I'm not saying you're needy, but maybe you're a bit needy. But the, you've, you've <laughs> gone into a profession which is one long set of knockbacks, even when you're being really successful and you've been extremely successful. And, it, and it's full of, no, we didn't quite like this. No, we're going to cancel that. Yeah, that is true. Why did I do that? <laughs> I mean, you, you get kind of used to it, is the only thing I'll say. Before we got this way up with Ashling, who you had recently on your show, um, picked up, myself and herself had a, a script turned down and and she really took it hard. You know, I think it was the first sort of narrative piece she'd written for TV. And I remember like just feeling really cold about the answer because I was so, I'm so used to getting no's, especially in the US, because they say yes to so many things to say no to them further down the line. Whereas like in the UK, it's much more balanced and even they say yes to a lot fewer things. You get kind of used to it. And I notice it in myself now because we, you know, we've got a production company and so I'm reading a lot of people's scripts all the time and, you know, feeding back and all that and sort of remembering how it, how it makes me feel is a good thing to, you know, to have in my mind all the time because even if you've been doing it for years, you always need someone to preface any um, rejection or even any notes with this is good, like you did a good job. But. It's like, you know, being given a little bit of star. Yeah, and then bring on the butt. Like the butt is annoying, but like, I, at least you can take it. At least someone's given a bit of um, a foundation of something, you know, before before the butt. So, I mean, I really, really try and remember that. Does it make you happy more than it, as a profession, more than it makes you unhappy? That is a really interesting question. And I talk as someone who's written many books and had novels, full novels rejected and published and, and all of that stuff. So I've written that roller coaster. Yeah, I think it makes me more happy than it does unhappy. I mean, that's because I've got the balance a bit better now. I mean, I, I think writing makes me happy. You know, being in, in the edit on, on shows, whether it's my own or someone else's, generally makes me happy. Being on set, if I'm honest, doesn't really make me happy. I, I don't like sitting in a makeup chair. I don't like the mad long hours when you're away from your family or like the travel if you have to sort of film away from home. And so that doesn't. But I've, I've worked out the balance a bit more. I'm, I'm better at that now, you know. So, yeah, you, on, the, you, on the whole, it you does. You could stop that bit couldn't you I mean you you have Merman the production company and you write and you produce could you not say oh no I'm not going to be in this and then watch their faces fall and that would be yeah, really self-affirming I could but I I mean the thing is is I just enjoy being someone else sometimes you know and I feel like I as much as you can do that through a script you know you can sort of lose yourself in in a world of characters in a world of other people and and you really are there but it's not, it's not the same as actually <laughs> taking on a different persona. And I feel like my personality kind of needs it. So really, you do real, need it. You want it. I need it. Yeah. Uh, I do need it a bit, if I'm honest. I also have a sort of slightly cynical kind of side to me, which is it, it's, it's, all, it's always a help. Like, you know, if you have an on-screen presence, it, it helps. It helps when you're in meetings, it helps, you know, when you're selling a script, it it, it just 
It just they does. know they it, think it, they know the person who's coming through the door. Yeah, and it's a kind of currency, I suppose. Uh, I have to I have to ask you, Sharon. Uh, am I right in suspecting that your roast pork is not necessarily all you might have wished it to be? My dinner. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- we've got. I mean, the pasta was fine. We know that the um, pasta was great. Yeah. The salad was great, and the and the the salad was great. And the antipasti was great. It's a lot of, but there's a lot of bone there. Maybe I'll just eat it off the bone. Oh, do do you want me to help? Because I've got some bones here, and I can hit my chicken. Uh, Yeah, Um, I couldn't really get at it with a knife and fork. Certainly not on my bed. Oh, good. Well, you know, you could wake up and find first episode of catastrophe. There's a lump of pizza (laughs) on the bed that you fall back on when he takes you up for the first shag. Oh yeah, the pizza. Hmm. I like to show I've done my research, even if it is only referencing the first episode. Can you hear me eating? I feel like I'm I know eating. I can. It's great. It's it's what we live I'm for. So if, you, if you go on and look at the reviews of this podcast, and they're very very positive. You know, there are a lot of them, and every now and then someone goes, "But I cannot bear the eating noises." And I go, "Well, it's called fucking out to lunch. What do you expect?" <laughs> well, I'm really really aware of eating noises, but I'm, I I had a really good friend for years who who ate with her mouth open. She couldn't. She literally couldn't stop herself. It's just what she did. And you got to see the whole world of gastronomy in in her mouth constantly, all the time. Lubricated mastication. Yes, it sort of stays with you that kind of thing. And I, I, I she didn't seem to give a shit. That was just how she ate. But I, I'm really aware when I do it. I know I, I occasionally get too excited about eating. Like Rob Delaney's big complaint about me when we wrote together was that I just hoover food, and I think it's because I come from a big family and maybe you just don't know, like if you don't eat quick, maybe someone's going to eat it for you. Did you ever guard the plate with your, with your arm? Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stop the forks coming yeah. in from the side. Yeah. 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 It's very important. Like you're in an exam. Sharon, should we, uh, would you like to try dessert? Which one did you go for of the two which came up? Oh, I left it downstairs. I forgot dessert. Go I, I think dessert. I'm going to go for tiramisu. Okay. All right. See you in a minute. See you in a minute. Hi. Hello. So I've gone for the tiramisu. How does it look? Or is it a bit of a mess? I've, I've got the, I, I don't know if you can see this, I've got this huge pot of chocolate mousse with hazelnuts Ooh. on. Have What's I done, it got on top? It's got crushed toasted hazelnuts on top. Oh, that sounds delicious. That that reminds me of um, Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> Go on, I want to see the connection. You know, there's two um, mousses that uh, the next door neighbour makes that she, she puts the the drugs in so that Rosemary can finally be impregnated by the devil. Maybe you haven't seen it, but um, they were in little pots, little clay pots. No, this is a huge pot. So, no, this looks good. I love tiramisu, but um, I made a cake last night, actually, and I ended up, you know, when you make cake, you sort of end up eating it for breakfast. Yeah, of course. I'm so glad you said that. Um, Are you basically saying you're quite full? I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm quite full. Well, at least you've had a spoonful, so that's fine. Do you ever worry about life, your personal life, your whole life, becoming absolutely sorted and you finding serious and complete contentment? I'm not, I mean, maybe you are content. Maybe I'm wrong on this, but uh, utter contentment so that everything is peachy and all of a sudden, it's fuck all to write about. <laughs> um, no, I'm really not worried about that because I, li- I live in this mess of a brain. So I know that's, you know, it's impossible. I mean, it it could never happen. I had this awful thing for years where my, my poor ex wanted me to go to a lot more counselling, you know, and to, to go to therapy and stuff. And and I had this really sort of selfish thing of, you know, I don't really necessarily want to fix what's wrong because in a lot of ways it, it, it works for me. And I, and I don't just mean as, you know, 
as as a as a writer, I, I kind of so I mean it sort of just works for me, you know. But surely you must have enjoyed a bit of therapy. I mean, the the, the opportunity to pay someone to talk about yourself is fantastic. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I've done I've done a bit, just not enough. Although I, I'm I've definitely grown up a bit, and you know I'm I'm having therapy at the moment, and I'm absolutely appreciating it, and know I need it, and you know, and we'll keep doing it until I feel it's the right time to stop, and and I don't have that obnoxious fear anymore that it's going to knock something out of me I, I think that was based on I don't know what that was based on but I would like to go back and give myself a bit of a slap I think I don't want to intrude on the on the privacy of your own therapy sessions but there are, are there ever moments when you're explaining to your therapist something that's happened in your life and there's another bit inside your head that's going oh fuck why haven't I put that in something <laughs> do you know what I haven't um, <laughs> God, I really hope that doesn't happen you're brilliant at narratives. Things turn off at the end. They, they go somewhere. There's yeah. a switch in the middle. I love a story. I mean, that you know, I, I, I love a story. The stories I love are a story. stories are important. I tell stories about the time I went to the second first coming of the Messiah. Um, yeah, and, <laughs> uh, it's one of my best ones. But you know, I, I I love the narrative beats of a story, and I can just imagine yeah. you sitting in the therapy room, which is obviously a sacred place, and you're not going to tell us. Yeah. But the the whole rhythm of that would be almost to encourage you to to perform to yourself. If yeah, no, thank goodness, I I I've I've not um I've not felt that. I mean, I'm definitely guilty of coming out of myself and 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 looking at myself from the outside but I um I haven't I haven't experienced that in in therapy I think it's a hard thing to write about as well I mean not that you're you're specifically talking about you know taking something like therapy and and, and putting it on the screen but I do think it's hard to write about I do think it's a, a you know as a sort of subject area it's it's tricky um and as a result of uh staying in for dinner you've now got a fridge full of uh... Full of I have, yeah, and a really angry dog, and a really angry dog. Uh, well, why don't you give the pig's ear to the dog? I just don't know if he deserves it, though, Jay. <laughs> I don't know if I want to reward his terrible behaviour. Maybe I'll, I'll give it to him tomorrow, so he has no memory of the fact that he was a bad boy. I, I think you're. I mean, I don't know your dog, but I think you're possibly overprojecting a little more to you know <laughs> cognitive ability on the hound. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. I'll, I'll feed them the pig's ear. How long do your dinners out or your lunches out normally take? Is it was was this was this a sort of you know condensed? Was it like a speed dating version of it? Well, do you normally just have a very luxurious two hour lunch? I don't want to depress you, Sharon, but we have been going at it for over two hours. Oh, what? Really? <laughs> yes. Oh my God! How did that happen? I know, I know. Um, maybe you were just having a fabulous time, you know, working your was. way through. I, I think yeah. we, you know, we have to acknowledge there have been a few technical snafus through bad this. Bad Wi-Fi. <laughs> but I, I really appreciate you taking the time. And um, oh, not at all. Listen, thanks for feeding my family. I, I think that you went above and beyond. Just as long as the next time I'm on Master Chef, you, you point out to your kids and said, "Be grateful to him." Because he fed you. Yeah, okay. And maybe we can have lunch in real life because I think that would be fun. I think we should do that. That would be fabulous. But thank you for for staying in for lunch with me or in this case, in for dinner. 
feeding the Horgan family there. What fun that was. Thanks again to Sharon, and I hope she put the pig's ear to good use in the end. If you enjoyed that, do listen back to previous episodes, which you'll find on your podcast app of choice. And if you could leave us a meaty five-star review there too, so more lunchers can join the family, that would be utterly fabulous. Out to Lunch is a Something Else and Jay Rayner production. The music was written, arranged and performed by me, Jay Rayner and Robert Rickenberg. The mix engineer was Josh Gibbs. The assistant producer was Rosie Marotra. The producer is Selena Ream and the executive producer is Darby Doris. Additional production is from Steve Ackerman. Next time, it's the brilliant Michelin-starred chef and businessman it's Tom Kerridge. I'm not comfortable walking around Sainsbury's putting things in my trolley just in case people are making judgments because oh they know who I am. I, 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 